This is FaithCast, weekly messages from Victory Faith in Spokane, Washington. To stay connected with Victory Faith, visit victoryfaith.org, where you can submit prayer requests and praise reports, sign up to receive weekly email updates, give online, and much, much more. Consider joining us for our live stream online Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at victoryfaith.org live. Now, on to the message. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to church. So good to be here, man. I love our church and I love, I love the community that God's building here. And I'm thankful for our lives that are being built together. You know, we worship together. We pray together. We're doing life together, meeting in homes, uh, walking with each other in the good times and the hard times, watching our kids grow up together, watching God change and transform form lives like every week, you know, in homes when we gather here on Sundays. I mean, God is building his church, like the Bible says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And uh, I love my church. I know you love your church. That's why you're here. And I I think our our best year uh, stands before us. Infinite possibilities. God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or we can think or we can imagine. So I want you to, as we've begun this year, and even as we're about a week into our 21-day fast, I want you to uh, press in over these next few weeks as we're continuing to fast and pray and ask God to speak to you. Ask God to, 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 to do something fresh and new inside of your hearts. Ask God to position you for what he wants to do in you and through you in this season. Amen? Amen. I want to make a just a, a little shout out for Pastor Aaron Richner, who is going to be preaching next week. Pastor Aaron and his wife Rochelle have planted and have been running the Cause Church for quite some time now, uh, a thriving church in Coeur d'Alene. Pastor Aaron is a very dear friend of mine. He's a dear friend of this house. Uh, the man can preach. He is a phenomenal communicator. He is very prophetic. So, and, and he's been praying and just seeking the Lord. And I know that next week you are not going to want to miss. You're going to want to be here. I believe he's got a word that is in season for us. Uh, We've strategically done this for a couple of our weeks during our fast. Pastor Nehemiah, again, is a very dear friend of mine. Many of us know him. The most encouraging guy you'll ever meet. Uh, And again, super, super prophetic. Maybe you need a word from God in your life. Come on, let's just believe that one of these guys would just give you a word in the presence of the Lord over the next coming weeks. Amen? All right, we're gonna dive in this morning. Last week, Pastor Craig did a phenomenal job uh, talking to us about the, the concept of fasting. Why do we fast? And, and really the theology uh, behind fasting and the heart behind it. And if you didn't hear that, I wanna encourage you to go back online and check out that message. This morning for my assignment, I wanna deal with the topic of prayer and specifically the, the importance of and the need of prayer. If we are not careful, we can reduce prayer to something that it was never intended to be. Uh, I I want to unpack this one big thought, and I'm gonna take some time this morning to do that. So I'm gonna hit you with it, and then I wanna walk it through with the scripture. And this is what I want to unpack this morning. This statement, one of the primary ways that God has chosen to accomplish his will in the earth is through prayer. Check it out again one more time. One of the primary ways that God has chosen, it's his choice, it's his decision, to accomplish his will in the earth is through 
prayer. God could do whatever God wants to do whenever God wants to do it. But somehow God has chosen that prayer would be something, a vehicle through which he would be released into the earth, that he would be released into circumstances. And what God wants with us, and we see it from the very beginning, is a partnership. God desires, he's looking for a man or a woman or a church that will pray according to those desires and then God will begin to respond and move through prayer. John Wesley, who was used uh, tremendously by God to see uh, countless thousands and thousands of souls come into the kingdom of God. And whenever he would preach, uh, the spirit of God would be poured out and uh, people would be awakened to the things of God. This is what he says about prayer. God does nothing on the earth save in answer to believing prayer. God does nothing in the earth but through the vehicle of prayer. And that's what I want to prove to you this morning and reconvince you of if maybe you know that. And remind us this morning so that we don't just pray as a discipline. We pray realizing that we literally are the, those on the earth that are, that are called to see the kingdom of God and the will of God happen through our prayers. My brother Rob, he, uh, many years ago, when his, his son Josh was about six, seven years old, they used to play old school Madden football on like Nintendo 64. And my brother chose the Patriots, and Josh, for some reason, chose the Texans. Well, as time would happen, my brother could never, capital N, never, ever beat Josh at Madden football. The Texans would always beat the Patriots. And it's because there was this one player on the Texans team, if you use this one spin move with him, for some reason, the Patriots defense could not stop the one move and the one spin move, and his son would score every single time. No matter what my brother did, somehow the computer was made up that way. It was like the one person with the one right move, and he always got the win. I want to suggest or more than suggest to you to morning, this morning that that's what prayer is. That prayer is that, that, that one thing, that one vehicle, that, that thing that always accomplishes what it's meant to accomplish when it's done right. And, and it's the vehicle through which God has chosen to move in the earth. Though God is sovereign and God is all-powerful, Scripture clearly shows us from the beginning of the Bible to the end of Bible that God has chosen to limit himself concerning the affairs of the earth and to work through humans. How do I say it easier? God has chosen that he would work in the earth through humanity and not independently. Again, he could have done it any other way. And we see the partnership. God would choose and need men and women that he would raise up and they would be his spokesmen. They would be the people that would represent him on the earth. God needed a race, a group of people called Israel, a chosen, a chosen race of people. And it was through Israel that God manifested who he was to the rest of the earth, showed his power and showed his greatness through humanity. God chose prophets and spoke through them. God chose judges to work through them in the earth. God needed a human Messiah in Jesus, that Jesus would come and take on humanity through which God would accomplish salvation for us. 
And even today, God still needs human hands, human feet, and a human voice. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Isn't it amazing that God has said, I want the gospel to reach the world, but I'm not gonna independently do it. I am going to work through humanity. See, we can take ourselves out from what God wants to do. God is looking for and has always looked for relationship and for partnership. And we might wanna sit back on the couch and wait for God to do what we think God wants to do in the earth. And God is like, no, I want you to partner with me. I want you to labor with me. I want you to steward the earth. I want you to use the authority that I've given you. And I want you to be the light of the world. And I want you to be my hands and my feet and my voice. So Jesus, concerning prayer, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Pray that, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. God commands us, he tells us, like if you pray this, pray that my kingdom that's in heaven would come into the earth. Pray that my will would be done in every situation. But if it's already in the heart of God, if God already desires to do it, then why is it that we need to pray? He has so much inside his heart that he wants to do in the earth. Why is it that he would say to pray the kingdom come, to pray his will be done, if somehow it's not our prayers that actually release the activity of God to move in the earth? And that's what I wanna unpack and look at the scripture this morning. I wanna give you one quote by a man named E.M. Bounds. Some of the best stuff on prayer, E.M. Bounds, you could write that down. He says, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. I love this. The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on his great work upon the earth. God conditions the very life and prosperity of his cause on prayer. So let's look at a man by the name of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet and Elijah was a man of prayer. We pick up our text in context. There have been three and a half years of drought. No rain has fallen on the land for three and a half years. God comes to his friend, the prophet, and begins to reveal his timing and his heart and his desire. And we pick it up in 1 Kings 18.1. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go present yourself to Ahab and I'm about to send rain on the land. If you've been, if you've, if you've been vacant, bless you, of three and a half years of, of rain on the land and, and the word of the Lord comes, rain is coming. I mean, that's a good day. So Elijah, we pick it up in verse 41. Elijah says to Ahab, who's king, he says, go and eat and drink for there is the sound of a heavy rain. Oh, you can't hear it in the natural and you can't see it in the natural. In fact, nothing's shifted, and at this point, nothing has changed except the word of the Lord has come. God has spoken, and, and before it manifests, God's looking for someone who will believe. God's looking for someone who will partner with him. He says, I hear the sound inside of me. There is a sound of a heavy rain that's coming. Faith stirs inside of the prophet. Come on, when we have situations, we have all types of situations where we need God to move, and when faith stirs, you see what you don't see. You hear what you don't hear. You stand in faith because God has spoken. You know the will of your father. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I hear the sounds of a heavy rain. So Ahab goes off and eats and drinks. But Elijah, check it out. Look what he does. But Elijah climbs to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face 
between his knees, the position of prayer. God explicitly did not say go pray, but Elijah understands the ways of God and Elijah delivers the word of the Lord and then he goes and he prays about the word that God has just given. He gets on his hands and his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went and he looked, said there's nothing there. He said seven times, Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time the servant comes back and reports, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. And so Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. And meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose and a heavy rain started to fall and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I love it. God says, I wanna send rain, go deliver the message. He delivers the message and then Elijah, knowing what prayer does, gets in the position of prayer and prays and he looks and nothing. Prays and they look and nothing. Seven times and all he needed was the, a cloud the size of a man's fist. All he needed was a little, that's it. I have broken through in prayer. I have broken through. I know we have accomplished it. The rain is coming and within minutes, the sky begins to change. Everything begins to take place and happen based on the prayers of the prophet. Now you might be saying to yourself, I'm not fully convinced that God sent rain because Elijah. I think maybe you're, 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 you're digging a little too deep into it, Pastor Trevor. I'm not sure that that's what happened. I think it's just coincidental. Okay, let me read to you James chapter five and verse 16 to 18. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah's prayers released God to do what was already inside the heart of the Father to do. God desired to send the rain. Elijah partnered with God and prayed, and God rode in on the prayers of the prophet, and he sent rain on the land. God wants to partner with you and I through the vehicle of prayer. Prayer is not just some spiritual discipline or some cute little thing we do before we go to bed and when we wake up in the morning. Prayer is not some, supposed to be some random thing where we just randomly pray whatever we want, however we want. Prayer is supposed to be this place where we have counseled with God and we know his heart and we know his will and we know his desire and we understand that our prayers have power to release him in the earth to be able to move and to work in a miraculous way. Daniel was also a man of prayer. Daniel, you'll find, if you read about his life, he prayed three times a day consistently and faithfully. One day, Daniel is reading in the prophet Jeremiah, and he realizes that the 70 years of captivity that Israel was in because of their sin and disobedience, that the 70 years that Jeremiah prophesied would happen to God's people, that the 70 years is up and that it's time for, God, for God's people to be released from captivity and brought back and restored. So he reads about this. He, he, he sees it and he goes, wait a second. This is the, the 70 years is up. It's time, according to the word of the Lord, there's gonna be no more captivity. So he just grabs some bag of chips and he jumps on the couch. And he's like, I can't wait to see God do this. 
No, he doesn't. He sets himself, according to the word of the Lord, to begin to pray. We pick it up in Daniel 9.3. So I turned to the Lord. God, and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition. You are pleading with God about something that God already desires to do. Absolutely, that's the revelation. That's it. It might offend your mind. It might offend my mind. I'm not God. I didn't make it this way, but God wants a partnership. He pleads with God in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth and in ashes. Chapter 10, we pick it up. Further, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, no wine touched my lips, and I used no other lotions. I used no lotions until the three weeks were over. And after three weeks of praying, the angel of the Lord shows up in a vision to Daniel and begins to speak with him. And this is where we pick it up in verse 12 and 13. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Daniel, I know it took 21 days, but listen, when you began to pray according to the word of the Lord, when you began to lift your voice, immediately your words were heard. But notice, they didn't manifest for another three weeks. I have come in response to your words. So the Lord sends the angel to come, but the prince of Persia, the prince of the Persian kingdom, a demonic power or a demonic principality resisted me for 21 days. So the release, so he prays, God sends the answer through the spirit realm to come into the earth. And there is a war going on in the heavens for 21 days. Daniel doesn't know it, but Daniel knows that he's just to continue to fast and continue to pray. And while he is fasting and praying, the battle is being waged in the heavenly realm. And at the end of the prayer and fasting, the breakthrough happens and the angel of the Lord gets onto the earth, delivers the word of the Lord, and you can read on how God would take his people out of captivity. Listen, there are so many areas where we are praying and believing for miracles in our lives, in the lives of the loved ones that we have, in our city, in our nation. And don't be discouraged if at first it doesn't feel like anything's happening. Listen, from the moment we begin to pray, our prayers are heard. And it's like sometimes it's the, the nature of what's being birthed that, that, that determines the, the, the nature of how much prayer is involved in order to bring it to, to, to fruition in the earth. Daniel has the word of the Lord. It had been determined by God and God looked for a man who would be on the earth, who would, who would join with him in prayer and intercession so his kingdom would come and his will would be accomplished in the earth. Ezekiel 22 verses 30 and 31 is a very sobering passage of scripture. God says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not destroy it, but I found no one. God's people are in rebellion. They're in disobedience. God is just. God has to pour out judgment, but as hard as I don't want to. And I looked, if there was any man or any woman who would stand in the gap, anyone who would stand between me as a mediator, like Moses did, anyone that would say, God, if there's five righteous people, if there's, if there's just a few, would you, God, would you have mercy? That's what he says. He says, I looked for a man or a woman to plead with me, somebody whose feet were on the earth that would say, would you show mercy to your people? Because I wanted to respond to that, but I found no one. 
I wanted someone praying to release my mercy in the earth, but I found no one. Verse 31, so I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. I might not like that scripture. You might not like it. You do not have permission to just pull it out of your Bible because we don't like it. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. I don't know why an all-sovereign, all-powerful God would want to choose to partner with us, but we see it from the beginning with Adam and Eve. He gave them authority to rule in the earth and to be his governors here and to do all that. And the authority that they lost, Jesus restored back to us. God, I don't know why but it's the way that he's chosen to move and to work. We, we can't just sit back and expect God to do what he wants to do. God is saying, no, I want you to partner with me. I want you to pray and I want you to fast and I want you to join me and I want you to be my conduit in the earth that releases the kingdom of God into situations. I want a praying church. It makes me wonder where we haven't seen breakthrough yet. And maybe it's not because, it's, 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 it's definitely not because there's a lack of desire in the heart of God. I think it's a lack on my part or on your part to fulfill our place of prayer. The capital stock of God's people praying until the bowls tip and the manifestation begins to happen in the earth. God wants to share his heart, his will, his desire with us. Psalm chapter 25, verse 14 says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. The secret of the Lord, that word in the original language means secret counsel. The secret counsel of God just carries with it that, that, the idea of intimacy and closeness, this idea of sitting together on a couch, conversing, you know, lending one's ear, like intimacy and closeness. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. God doesn't wanna work independently. God wants to work in and through our lives. God wants to show us the secrets of his heart. God wants us to know and understand what his will is in every situation. He wants us to pray according to his will. And there's a side of prayer where we petition and where we talk but there is this side of prayer where we quiet and we listen. And we say, God, what are you saying about this situation? And we listen for the voice of God that will come and begin to position us. I remember when uh, Isaac was about six years old, we were praying about a house to buy and we weren't sure if it was the right one. It sort of felt good, but we weren't sure. So Isaac and I went up and we were walking around in the snow and we're praying over the house. And I knew already what I kind of felt, but I thought this is a great opportunity to kind of just see what would God speak through maybe a child from the mouth of babes I've ordained praise, right? So I say, hey, Isaac, let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us about this house. And he goes, okay. And he just covers both his ears like that. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, what are you doing? He goes, shh, quiet. I'm trying to hear God. And I'm like, okay. It's like a holy moment. Like your filthy, sinful dad's gonna step away while you counsel with the Lord. And um, so I give him a few moments. It was beautiful. It was sweet. It was cute, but it was powerful, right? And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens here. And he gets done and I'm, I'm like, well, what do you think? He goes, nope. He goes, I, 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 this is not the house. I just, no, it's not the house. I feel God saying it's not the house. And I'm like, that's crazy because that's what I was feeling. I'm like, Isaac, that's what I was feeling. Like, let's just go. Let's just not spend any more time here. Let's just, we're, we're off. Listen, God wants to, we are his children. God wants to speak to us. God doesn't want to make it hard for us to figure out and know his will. He wants us to know his will. And then he wants us to partner with him and birth that in the earth. So let's look at Jesus. 
obviously our ultimate example of a man in the earth. If Jesus was God in the flesh, then why did Jesus need to pray? And he needed to pray because he was modeling for us how to live as a man. He was modeling for us how to connect with the Father. He was, he, how to discern the will of the Father and how to come out from that place of prayer and move in the direction and the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as a man, modeled for us a prayer life wherein through his prayers, God rode in and moved in the earth. Mark chapter one, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark chapter six, verse 45 and 46, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd and after leaving them, he went up to a mountainside to pray. And we see the consistent, faithful pattern of Jesus through the New Testament. Jesus faithfully, consistently drew away from the crowds, drew away from the people, got alone with the Father, heard the heart of the Father to the place where Jesus said about himself, he said, I only speak what I hear my Father speaking and I only do what I hear my Father doing. Where'd that come from? The place of prayer, that place of intimacy, that place, Jesus modeled for us the need and the dependency of prayer and the power that comes through prayer. So let's look at an example uh, concerning a man in the Bible named Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. And Jesus hears report that his friend Lazarus is very sick. He's kind of like on his deathbed, not sure if he's gonna make it. So Jesus, in hearing the report in uh, John chapter 11, it says that Jesus stayed two more days where he was, which is kind of crazy because Lazarus was sick, but he stayed two more days and he said this when he heard, when he heard about Lazarus. He said, this, this sickness will not result in death, but it will be the, to the glory of God. God's son will be glorified through this sickness is what Jesus declared. And then after two days, Jesus travels to where Lazarus was. By the time they get to Lazarus, he had been in the grave dead for four days. But I thought you said it wouldn't end in death. Well, you gotta read the end of the story, right? For Jesus, death was not the end of the story. And so Jesus, everybody's freaking out. Everybody's losing their minds. Jesus shows up to the tomb and tells them to remove the stone from the tomb. And we pick it up in verse 41. So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up. Now listen to these words. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Just a little verb tense here makes all the difference. God, I thank you that you will hear me. Is that what he said? God, I thank you that, no, he says, I thank you that you have heard me. Indicating what? Indicating that Jesus had been in the place of prayer. Indicating that in that time frame, from hearing about Lazarus to knowing that this was for the glory of God, that Jesus was with the Father, interceding and praying on behalf of Lazarus. He had been in the place of prayer. He knew what God wanted to do and he knew that God wanted to move through his prayers. And so Jesus, like, like Elijah, like Daniel, like so many in the Bible, Jesus set himself to pray the will of the Father and then he showed up on the scene after he'd been in the place of prayer and he looks at the tomb. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of those standing here that they might believe that you sent me. And then from that place, he says, Lazarus, come forth. 
Lazarus, come out of that grave. The authority and the power that he had because of prayer, but the authority and the power that had been released in the earth because of his prayer. Come forth. Mark chapter nine. There's this interesting story where Jesus' disciples are brought a, man, uh, brought a boy uh, by, by his father. The boy is deaf and mute. Uh, throws him in the fire, tries to kill him, throws him in the water, tries to drown him, uh, just manifests, he convulses, he foams at the mouth, all this crazy stuff. And they bring him to the disciples and the disciples uh, cannot cast the demon out. They're trying every trick that they have learned and everything that, that Jesus showed them and they cannot get the demon out of the boy. Jesus shows up, there's all this confusion. What's the confusion, he says. And the man says, well, I brought my boy to, to, to your disciples and they couldn't cast the demon out. To which Jesus says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. How long do I need to be with you? He's rebuking his disciples. And then he picked, this is what he says. Mark 9, verse 29. He said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The King James adds the word fasting. Nothing can come forth but by prayer and by fasting. What Jesus was saying was he's saying, you're trying to move in power, but you have, not, you, have not, you have not released the power of God in the private place of prayer first. You have not been in prayer, therefore you lack power and you have not released God to do what he wants to do. You are lacking in prayer, therefore you're lacking in power. And interesting, Jesus had just come from the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus had just been up with Peter, James, and John in the presence of God, in the place of his presence, and in the place of communion and prayer with God. He'd come out of the place of prayer and he came down and he drove that demon out of that boy. God moves in the earth through the prayers of his people. He's ordained it that way. He's made it that way. And when we understand that revelation, we begin to pray differently. We begin to feel the responsibility of prayer. We begin to feel the responsibility over situations. We hear about where breakthrough is needed and we feel the weight of that because we realize God is looking for a man or a woman to stand in the gap and intercede for that healing and intercede for that marriage and intercede for breakthrough in finances and intercede for, for that prodigal son or daughter that's wandered to, to come home to the Lord. It's, it's not just that we sit back and while well, it's in your heart, you wanna do it. God's like, yes, it's in my heart but I'm looking for a man or a woman on the earth who will partner with me to see my kingdom come and my will be done in the earth. First John 5.14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Those are prayers that hit the mark every time. Those are prayers that accomplish what God wants to accomplish every time. There's no other way to pray but a crafted prayer that's centered around the will of God in every situation, over your marriage, over your health, over your finances, over your church, over our nation. Come on, it might look dire and desperate and it might look like, you know, like there's just no hope, but from God's perspective, there are things inside of his heart that he still has yet to do with our great nation. And he's like, who will stand in the gap? Who, where is my people? Where is the church who will stand in between and cry mercy when judgment should be poured out? 
Maybe that would be us. Maybe we would be that praying people in 2022. Maybe we would get that revelation that God, that we're not waiting on God to do something. God is waiting on us to pray. God is waiting on us to partner with Him so He can ride into the earth and do what He wants to do. He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of Him. And though we might not see it, we don't see the cloud yet, we keep praying. We don't see the breakthrough yet, but we keep praying. And we know that our, like, like, like Daniel, we know that our, our, our words have been heard and we continue to pray and we continue to pray and we continue to pray until the breakthrough comes. But we live with the confidence that God hears us. Not like we're trying to manipulate him, twist his arm into moving or, or to working. When we pray his will, we are aligning with what he wants to do. And this is the confidence we have that he will do it. And the beauty is God made it very easy for us to know his will. He gave us the Bible. And every promise of scripture should be prayed over our lives and over the lives of others. Every, every prayer that's in the Bible, should, we should formulate and use to be our prayers. We should take the 150 Psalms and we should use them like saints have for thousands of years and they should become our prayers. We should pray the Bible. We should pray the apostolic prayers of Paul in the New Testament. We should take all of the things that we know. You need a promise over your marriage? Find it. Don't just stand on it and believe it, but begin to pray it. Begin to birth it in prayer. Begin to birth it over your kids. Come on. We are in a season where God wants to do more in the earth than, than any of us can, can think or imagine. And he's waiting for you and I to partner with him in this beautiful thing called prayer. This, it's, it's this beautiful, intimate place of connection with the Father where He whispers in our ear and we begin to release our prayers that, 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 that begin to be the vehicle through which He moves in the earth. Maybe you've become discouraged because you haven't seen the breakthrough. Can I encourage you to hold fast? Can I encourage you with Colossians 4 too? Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Can I encourage you? Continue steadfastly in prayer. If you don't have the breakthrough yet, do not quit. Do not give up. You have no clue what spiritual battle is, is being fought in the heavenly realms that you are a part of as you are interceding and as you are praying. The best days ahead are for you and me. The best days of our families, the best day of this church, the best day of our city, the best days for our nation. Because there's a hope-filled, faith-filled, Bible-believing church that's walking in a revelation of prayer that says, okay, all right, let's do this then. I will begin to pray more consistently and faithfully and accurately, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In 2018, a man in Texas, it had to be Texas, would use a 408 Cheyenne tactical rifle and he would make, he would bullseye a three mile shot on this rifle. This 390 grain bullet would take 14 seconds to hit its mark. That's crazy. I, like where you could fire and you could count the seconds. That's how far it was. And he landed that bullet bullseye at three miles. Listen, when we pray according to the will of God, every single time, 
every single time. And you know, when, if it's a hundred yard shot, you're like, well, of course. But come on, some of you are facing situations that are like a three mile shot. And you're like, I don't know if my prayers are hitting. I don't know if they're landing. I don't know if it's gonna happen. Listen, when we pray according to the will of God, He hears and it's hitting the mark and it's accomplishing the purpose. So continue steadfastly in prayer. Maybe 2022 is supposed to be that year for us, that year, that year of prayer where we just dig those wells deep and we begin to see what we have yet to see in and through our lives. Amen? Amen. Let me read you something. First Timothy 1 verse 15 says, here is a trust, trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Here's a trustworthy saying, Jesus Christ came into the earth to save sinners. Here's the reality. God desires connection and relationship with all of us. It's always been that way from the beginning. The problem is all of us are sinners. All have sinned. All have fallen short of God's glory. All, all have, have broken the laws and the ways of God in, 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 in many different ways. And that has created a chasm and a separation between us, a sinful mankind, and a holy God. But the desire and the heart of God still exists to be in relationship with us. And so Jesus came, why? To save sinners. Jesus came as a man to bear in his body our punishment for sin. Jesus came to live the life before God that we could not live. And Jesus would die a brutal death like we celebrated when we took communion earlier today. Jesus did that for us to be saved, for us to know God, for us to know his mercy and his forgiveness, for us to be brought back into right relationship with him. And Jesus, though he was crucified, would be raised on the third day by God. And so too, by believing in Jesus, our sins can be forgiven and we can have new life and we can have the promise of eternal life that's found through Jesus. By grace, you are saved through faith. Could you close your eyes with me this morning? Maybe you're here or maybe you're online and you have not said yes to Jesus. You have not accepted the free gift of eternal life that's found by confessing Christ, by putting your faith and trust in him, by acknowledging your sin and asking him to come into your life and to forgive your sin and to make you clean and to give you new life. But you're here this morning and you say, That's, it's time. This is the timing uh, for my life to, to yield and say yes to Jesus. Would you be bold in the presence of the Lord and just slip up your hand if that's you this morning? If that's where you're at, that you just say that, you know what, Pastor Trevor, thank you so much. That's just me. That's where I'm at. That's where, uh, and God's calling my number. And I realize I, I don't want to carry the weight and the burden and the heaviness of my own sin and darkness anymore. I want to know what it is to be forgiven. I want to know God's love and God's mercy in my life. Anyone else this morning? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it's our confession. Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Faith in the heart and a confession with the mouth. And it, Jesus did all the work so that we could know him. So I'm gonna pray a prayer this morning. And for those of you that raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer after me. And as a church, we're just gonna pray out together and stand with you as you make this declaration this morning. So let's pray together. Say, Jesus, 
I acknowledge my need of you in my life. And I confess that I'm a sinner. And right now, by faith, I ask that you would come into my life, that you would forgive me for my sin, and that you would be my God, that you would fill me with your love and mercy. I put my faith and my trust in you. I receive eternal life through Jesus, by your grace, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together this morning for those that made that decision. And why don't we stand up together as a church? We're going to worship and we're going to seal our time together as we do that this morning. Amen.